Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96, Comcast Xfinity, and Channel 30, Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Plastic bag ban approved by Joanna K. Zuvalis. The first night of the annual Belmont Town Meeting ended at 9.30 p.m. with six articles approved by wide margins with the most discussion on the plastic bag ban. Town Meeting continued on Wednesday, May 3rd and is expected to vote on the citizens' petition for a special election to opt out of the non-medical retail establishment in Belmont and seven amendments to that petition, which would allow one or more types of marijuana establishments to be voted on if a special election is approved. Belmont is now one of more than 65 Massachusetts towns which is banning retailers from using thin-film, single-use plastic checkout bags with handles. The Selectman's article to ban thin-film plastic checkout bags passed uh, at the town meeting by more than two-thirds vote on April 30th. Beginning this November, or possibly sooner, Star Market in Belmont will no longer provide single-use thin-film plastic checkout bags to customers. They will, have to, uh, they will have recyclable paper bags and also sell reusable shopping bags, or customers can bring their own reusable shopping bags. Smaller retail stores, defined as those covering less than 30,000 square feet, will no longer be allowed to use the thin-film single-use plastic checkout bags beginning in February 2019 or sooner, if their current plastic bag stock runs out. A special election could determine whether or not Belmont will allow certain types, any type, or no non-medical retail marijuana establishments to open in Belmont once the citizens petition to opt out of the state's legalization of such establishments and the seven amendments are voted on by the town meeting. In the meantime, town meeting took advantage of some extra time on April 30 to vote on two articles related to retail marijuana establishments, the 3% local sales tax and a temporary moratorium. The article for a temporary moratorium passed 190 to 52, this will give the planning board until December 31, 2018 to draft zoning regulations for non-medical retail marijuana establishments in Belmont. A 3% marijuana sales tax was approved 231-7. This will allow the town to charge non-medical retail marijuana establishments a 3% local sales tax. 
the revenue from this sales tax will go into the town coffers to be used for anything the town decides to use it for. Former Board of Health member Dr. David Alper, also a town meeting member for Precinct 6, said stores in Colorado generate up to $40,000 annually from local sales tax. There is no longer a sunset clause on the general residence zoning bylaw put in place in 2014 to prevent oversized and out-of-character additions and new construction. The amendment requiring special permits to such projects to be reviewed and approved by the planning board is now permanent. Town meeting voted 238 to 16 in favor of the article. Special permits for smaller projects defined as 300 square feet or less, such as decks or dormers, will now be reviewed and approved by the Zoning Board of Appeals. Town meeting approved this article 242 to 9. Belmont will now have an additional historic uh, district, its first single family property pending approval by Attorney General Maura Healy's office. Town meeting approved an article to make 291 Brighton Street a local historic district. This means current or future owners will have to get approval by the Belmont Historical District Commission for any changes to the exterior of the home visible from a public way. The home is the last surviving property of what was once a 17-acre farm owned by the Frost family, which grew celery. It was built in the 1800s and is one of the few remaining examples of federal-style architecture in Belmont. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Residents give suggestions to design team for Belmont High School project by Christy Armstrong. The Belmont High School Building Committee continued its design quest with a community forum on April 26 at the Wellington Elementary School. Belmont residents were encouraged to give their feedback on the current design model and help brainstorm uses for what is being called the South Plaza, an outdoor space between the south side of the new building and Clay Pit Pond. The meeting began with a discussion of the revised design for the lower school, which will house the 7th and 8th graders in a separate wing from the 9th through 12th graders. The aim is to give the lower grades a discreet sense of place, according to consultant Brooke Trivas from Perkins and Will, the project's design team. The lower school wing will be angled away from the closest section of the main building to provide more natural light and open space in that area. Discussion of design. Dick Madden, a Pleasant Street resident, expressed concerns about the overall look of the building and whether all of the open space was necessary. I say, see an awful lot of heat in the wintertime pouring through that glass, Madden said. The BHS Building Committee Chairman Bill Lavallo said the building's energy use is being carefully considered and the open spaces allow for natural light. Lavallo also noted classrooms in new school buildings are now required by code to be located on an outside wall. John Coulterman, a Precinct 1 resident and the former chairman of Sustainable Belmont, 
also asked about energy efficiency and the goal for a net zero building. In net zero buildings, the total amount of energy used by the structure on an annual basis is to be roughly equal to the amount of renewable energy created on the site. Lovallo said the building will still achieve a very high level of energy efficiency, even if it doesn't hit net zero. Coulterman also raised concerns about traffic in the area and encouraged the committee to give more thought in terms of urban mobility, particularly with covered parking areas for bicycles. Concern about expense of project. Resident Charles Smart and school committee member Tara Donna also expressed concern about the expense of the project. According to Lavallo, the total project cost is currently estimated at $295 million, with up to 40% subsidized by the Massachusetts School Building Authority. This project will add, likely add $1,800 to the average annual tax bill for homeowners over a 30-year period, said Bob McLaughlin, BHS Building Committee, Permanent Building Committee, and Warrant Committee member. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. <coughs> Meet Belmont's new facilities director by Joanna Kate Suvalis. Town Administrator Patrice Garvin introduced Belmont's new facilities director at the April 12th Board of Selectmen meeting. Steve Dorrance officially starts his new position on April 30th. He replaced Gener Gerald Boyle, who officially retired on December 29th. Dorrance has been working for the, pa for the state for the past four years as Bureau Director of Facilities for the four Department of Public Health Hospitals, 2 million square feet, 45 buildings, 1,000 acres of parking. Dorrance has an undergraduate degree from Suffolk University in clinical psychologists, psychology and a degree in criminal justice from another institution. His graduate work was done at Harvard University where he specialized in organizational development. Dorrance took the time to answer some questions from the Citizen Herald so the community could get to know him a little better. What are you looking forward to most about this new role for you in Belmont? Keeping in mind that I've not yet started, but from the interviewing process it seems as though there are a number of challenges facing the new director. Among them are developing comprehensive pre preventative maintenance programs for all the mechanical systems in the buildings throughout the town. Fully in implementing the work order system and associated modules will be extremely helpful to us as a way of measuring productivity, helping us get in front of smaller issues before they become larger and more expensive, and give us a routine way of communicating with those who are requesting maintenance and repair services. The system, as I hope it will work, will be instrumental in providing metrics on a number of things, including the frequency and cost of repairs on mission-critical systems. I am looking forward to addressing some of the short-term operational issues and longer-term strategic matters, including the myriad of choices related to the new high school construction. For many years, I was a member of the National Hist Trust for Historic Preservation and personally did a number of authentic period restorations of antique homes. I live in an 1876 farmhouse. I am excited about the stewardship responsibility for Belmont's period municipal structures. What do you see as the greatest challenges of this role? 
Since I have not officially started yet, it's a bit of a challenge to enumerate what the biggest challenges could be. On the face of it, it seems as though there is a backlog of work that needs to be prioritized and completed. Next summer break is just a few weeks away, and ensuring that all the work that has to be done over break is appropriately specified, bid, and ready to be started. Lastly, I see the facilities department as a customer service function. We exist to serve the needs of everyone who uses or works in municipal buildings, including staff, students, residents, and others. What do you think are your greatest strengths which will benefit you in this role? As a vocation and avocation, I have built structures of many types in multiple states. I understand at a detail level construction practices, methods, and techniques. This knowledge will hopefully be important as we consider preserving our existing structures and building new ones. I hope the hands-on practical knowledge coupled with the experience of day-to-day -day operational building management will be the right combination for Belmont. What have been your greatest challenges in your current position? Virtually all of my experience, save four years, is in the private sector. In that world, performance goals and incentives are, for the most part, very clear. Change and innovation in the private sector are, among other things, key to personal success and organizational survival and prosperity. It was a challenge for me to adjust to a system that does not reward any of the things to which I have become accustomed over my three-plus decade-long career. Lastly, although there is a tremendous need for standardization and implementation of best practices, it was very difficult to get there given the organizational resistance to change. What accomplishments did you make in your current position that you are most proud of? I started at one hospital and over a period of about 18 months assumed overall responsibility for some aspects of four hospitals, including 800 beds, 1,000 acres, 40-plus buildings, acres of parking, and miles of roadways. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Funeral director advises people to plan ahead uh, by Joanna K. Zavallis. Nicholas Fagus, founder of Fagus Funeral Home in Watertown, always used to say there are two things in life you're never going to avoid, death and taxes. He stated his business, he started his business in 1963 and retired in 2015. His daughter, Adrian, always looked up to her father and joined the business in 1987. Her daughter, Nicole, is now a third-generation funeral director and embalmer. Adrian says today's generation doesn't think about the death care industry and importance of planning ahead. She often has clients who are shocked at how much it costs to give a loved one a proper burial. The average cost for burial is about $7,500. And this does not include the cost of the plot. If you're not prepared, you have to know that a funeral could be a very big expense. If you don't own grave space, because you have to purchase a grave, says Adrian. The total cost for burial with the plot for a municipal cemetery is $10,000 to $12,000. It, uh, if it's a private cemetery, total cost for burial with the plot starts at 18000 Prices for cemetery plots vary from cemetery to cemetery. She said uh, 
She said local municipal cemeteries like Ridgelawn in Watertown no longer allow residents to pre-purchase because there is not enough space. If you are a Watertown resident without a plot, you get the next one in line. A single grave for two burials at a municipal cemetery is $1,308 to open it. Buying a cemetery plot is like buying a home, says Adrian. It's important for families to see where it is and make sure they like the location. Plots at private cemeteries like Newton Cemetery or the Gardens start at $6,000 and an additional $3,000 to open. The cost of a plot at the historic Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge and Watertown starts at $60,000 and about $2,100 to open the grave, $1,000 for the grave liner, and to be buried on a Saturday, it's an extra $1,200. It's about $3,800 to be buried on a Saturday at Mount Auburn, if you already own a grave, said Adrian. She said it's prime real estate there. Many people are opting for cremation because of the lower cost and the lack of cemetery space. The total cost for cremation is $2,300, according to Adrian. She said cremation is now 70% of the business for many funeral homes. Nowadays, I have families come in and say, just give us the cheapest casket or cremate them. They just don't want to be bothered. A funeral is part of life. It is not only a religious ceremony. It helps people come to the realization that their loved one is no longer with them. So death, of really, uh, death is really for the living, she said. She recommends doing a pre-need, uh, pre-need revocation trust to prepay the guarantee the services and merchandise costs at today's prices. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Reliving the Prom by Joanna K. Zavellis. Seniors entering the Beach Street Center on April 27th received Hollywood treatment with a red carpet runway, photographer taking their photos, a colorful balloon archway, and centerpieces, a popcorn station, live entertainment, dinner, and dancing at Belmont's first intergenerational prom. The Belmont Council on Aging Assistant Director Lillian Hartman organized this event with the assistance of Belmont High School volunteer students from the Belmontian Club. Other towns hold intergenerational proms, which many Belmont seniors enjoy attending, said David Ching. He loved Burlington's intergenerational prom so much he presented the idea to have one in Belmont to Hartman, who took it on wholeheartedly. Belmont should have this type of event so that teens and seniors can showcase their ability to organize, share good spirits, and bring vitality to a common place across generations. It was reminiscent but celebrated who we are today and left lasting good impressions for all. Teens in the kitchen laughed that they recognized most of the 1950s and 1960s rock and roll performed by Stanley and the Undercovers. And it was great to see teen servers get out on the dance floor after dinner, said Hartman. 
volunteer teams from Caldwell Banker, Leader Bank, Friends of Belmont COA, and Belmont High School took on projects to help make the event a success. Black and white photos of residents' proms from 1955 to 1960 added to the Hollywood-themed decor. The BHS Madrigal Singers and Dancers from Fred Astaire Dance Studio in Belmont, including Belmont resident and dance student Sherry Jones, entertained guests. Ladies also received roses after dinner. Now, here's Max. Thank you, Claire. Community Shows Support for Becca Pizzi 5K Road Race by Joanna Kate Cervellis. Nearly 500 people ages 2 to 70 registered for the third annual Becca Pizzi 5K Road Race on April 29th, despite the wet weather. The event started off with a one-mile run for children with 100 participants. Belmont Savings Bank was the major sponsor, and Belmont Boosters were the organizers. The event became an annual tradition three years ago after Pizzi became the first ever American woman to compete to complete in, excuse me, compete in, and win the World Marathon Challenge, running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. She made history again this year, participating and winning the World Marathon Challenge a second time. In her opening remarks before a large crowd at the Belmont High School track, where Pizzi once shone as a star athlete and runs religiously every day, she announced she was getting into the Guinness Book of World Records for the fastest time to complete a marathon in each of the seven continents by a female in six days, 18 hours and 38 minutes, January 23rd to 30th, 2016. I'm so excited we keep growing bigger and bigger, even with the hurdle of pouring rain, Belmont and surrounding towns still came out to run. I'm inspired by how loyal and loving our community is, said Pizzi. Scott DeDeo finished first in the male category, finishing at 18 minutes, 54 seconds. Kristen Barishian, Pizzi's sister, was the first female to finish at 21 minutes, 23 seconds. Awards were presented for male and female winners in eight age categories. The youngest winner of the 5K was Molly Sheehan, finishing at 24 minutes. The oldest winner was Missy Shea, finishing in 31 minutes, 4 seconds. I really can't believe that I have my own race named after me. This is a dream come true to see signs around my town with my name on it. In the town I grew up in, I love Belmont so much, Pizzi said. Pizzi manages Moosey's Ice Cream in Belmont and owns a daycare in Belmont. Proceeds from the race will benefit the Becca Pizzi Foundation Scholarship which will be presented to graduating BHS students in June. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Belmont man pleads guilty to 2016 sexual assault. Middlesex District Attorney Marion Ryan and Belmont Police Chief Richard McLaughlin have announced that Zachary St. Paul, 35, of Belmont, pleaded guilty today in Middlesex Superior Court to sexual assault charges in connection with the 2016 rape of a woman who is known to him. St. Paul pleaded guilty to two counts of rape, one count of indecent assault and battery of a person over the age of 14, one count of photographing an unsuspecting nude person and willful dissemination of a photograph of a nude person. 
According to a press release from Ryan's office, Judge Kathy Tutman sentenced the defendant to 9 to 12 years in state prison and five years probation. As part of the terms of probation, Tutman ordered the defendant to wear a GPS monitoring bracelet to stay away from and have no contact with the victim, to undergo a sexual offender evaluation, and comply with any recommended follow-up care. The release states on June 12, 2016, Belmont police were notified by the victim that she had been sexually assaulted the night before in the defendant's Belmont home. The victim told police she had been out with the defendant on the night of June 11, 2016, and when she awoke next to the defendant the next morning, the defendant informed the victim that they had engaged in sexual intercourse. The victim had no recollection of this event and had no memory of returning to the defendant's home. The victim borrowed the defendant's phone on which she located photos of herself without clothes on. A search warrant was executed on the defendant's phone by Belmont police who found multiple still photos of the victim in a state of undress as well as videos of the defendant sexually assaulting her while she was unconscious. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Should Belmont increase number of selectmen? Town meeting expected to have decided by May 7th by Joanna K. Zavellis. Some of the arguments to keep the number of selectmen the same are allow board deliberations to remain transparent and open to the public. Every selectman is vested in the job. Elections would remain competitive. Three members are more apt to reach a consensus. Meetings are efficient and reasonable length. Current level of authority and accountability would be maintained. Salary and benefit costs would not increase. Town administrative communications with individual selectmen would not increase. Too much is at stake for a change of this magnitude now. Some of the arguments for increasing the number of selectmen are greater stability for town government in policy planning and hiring, increased representation, diversity, and viewpoints, less likelihood of one board member being isolated or dominating others, potential for wider range of skills and experience on the board, permits members to use one other member as a sounding board, and communicate outside a meeting, increased access to board members for town residents, increased ability to communicate with town committees, and increased ability to attend external meetings. And the source is Committee to Study the Number of Selectmen. Now here's Max. Thank you, Claire. Kinesthetic Connection. Couple Finds Community at Belmont Dance Studio by Abby Patkin. With her nephew's wedding coming up, Nancy Lowenstein was just looking to get in some dance lessons with her husband, Joe Rancatore, who owns Rancatore's Ice Cream and Yogurt in Belmont and Lexington. 
Dancing was par for the course, but the couple didn't expect to find a community at Belmont's Fred Astaire Dance Studio. We started off just wanting to learn how to dance, and then we found we kind of found a nice community and a nice kind of family there, said Lowenstein, one of those studio's many Lexington-based students. This community and shared passion for dance are what convinced Lowenstein and her husband to stay. Two years later, the couple continues to take regular lessons at Fred Astaire's. We've made new friends that we see outside of the studio now, so that's also been something that we really didn't plan on, and I think that's been a nice part of this too. Just the community you get connected to there, Lowenstein said. It really has been a lot more than learning how to dance. Contributing to community. The sense of community is exactly what made the studio's new owner, Belmont resident Elizabeth Wu, want to invest. Having taken classes at Fred Astaire's for more than 10 years, she has seen it all firsthand. When she heard the studio would be on the market, Wu jumped at the chance to take over for the previous owners, Earl and Jennifer Battle. When they approached me with this opportunity, I felt like this was serendipity, working to put me in this place, because it was something that I wanted to do in terms of running my own business, but it was also something I was passionate about, Wu explained. Taking over the studio is Wu's way of giving back to her community and fulfilling her dream of running her own business, she said. When my husband asked me why I wanted to do this, I joked, semi-seriously, that this is my midlife crisis project. An affair, is, an affair is way too much work, and I've already owned a sports car, she wrote in an announcement to the students. Knowledge that I cannot, will not cure cancer or solve world peace, this is my opportunity to make a greater contribution to my community and hopefully enrich the lives of the staff and students they teach. Wu, a biotech executive, is also enjoying the chance to try something new. It's also an opportunity to show my kids that it's never too late to do something that's completely out of your comfort zone, she said. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont. <laughs>